Um, it's Sunday, July 10th, um, and I'm, I already created this recording yesterday, and I'm just gonna play it back, as Fallon Taylor would say, unfiltered. So you see it, or you hear it in the raw, basically, so you don't think that I, um, uh, altered anything. And it, uh, just bear in mind that I'm trying to allow you to decide for yourselves. And I am not taking any comments. I'm sorry. I'm just so overwhelmed with all of this. And I can't afford um, especially negative comments or threats. Um, uh, I fight a lot of corruption, so no doubt I would get threats. Um, so, um, this is the recording. Who is Jack there? There is, uh, fraud. That's what he is. And he was on the Titanic. He became the vice president of Synchrony Bank. Even though the attorneys that are on my case say that uh, they that Synchrony Bank wasn't formed until GE Money became Synchrony Bank. Talk about fraud. They said they they formed in 2014. No. They've been around for about a hundred years. So I'm, uh, I'm, uh, pushing this back. This is Titanic Survivor. Um, this is, uh, this video is Titanic Survivor Jack Thayer. It's four minutes and 24 minutes, 24 seconds. John B. Jack Thayer III was born on December 24, 1894 in Haverford, Pennsylvania. He had three younger brothers and sisters. He was the oldest child. His mom was a stay-at-home mom and his dad was the vice president of the Pennsylvania Railroad. Bagoop lived in a mansion staffed by servants and maids. He went to private schools with the best athletic coaches and went on European vacations at the finest resorts. His father had Jack's future all planned out. Upon graduation from Harvard School, Jack would attend Princeton and then live in London, Paris, or Berlin, where he would be with the sharpest minds in international banking. Then he would return to the United States and begin a career in high financing. Yes, his future was all planned out. Facing death on a sinking ship was not part of the plan. and sunk. Only one person died, but he was still lucky to live. And that was one of the main reasons why he was on the Titanic. Jack was upstairs getting ready for bed when the Titanic started to sink and his parents were upstairs where they were eating. When Jack's dad had heard that the Titanic was sinking, he quickly went to go warn his family. When his family went out, the crowd was so big that they immediately got lost. 
Lasky. He spotted Milton and decided to stick with him. Yeah. Jack and Milton looked around for lifeboats, but noticed that there were only two left and that those might not make it. So that's when they decided that they would have to jump. When Jack hit the water, the shock of the cold sucked the breath out of his lungs. He plunged under the surface, spinning and tumbling from the suction of the sinking ship. Battling with all his might, he fled away, refusing his brain's orders to... Jack spotted lifeboat B and immediately got on. His legs were so numb that he needed help to get on when the boat. Jack got on the Capitharia, the first person he spotted was his mother and his maid. Jack's mom asked Jack where his dad was. Jack told her that he thought he was with her. Jack's dad had passed away. Jack and his mother returned back to Haverford, Pennsylvania. Jack graduated from the University of Pennsylvania and went into the banking business. second Jack Thayer story of survival. Earn your MBA online from Wake Forest, one of the nation's top ranked universities for 25 years. This year marks the 100th anniversary of the tragic sinking of the Titanic. The Titanic sank on April 14, 1912 in the Atlantic Ocean, about a thousand miles to east of Boston. Of the 2,224 people aboard, only 710 survived. In the beginning, the Titanic seemed magnificent and astounding to the boarding passengers. 
family and was heir to a railroad fortune. At the ripe age of 17, Jack Thayer had created a plan for his future. He was going to begin his journey at Princeton University, continue to London, Vienna, Paris, and finally in Berlin for an apprenticeship in commercial banking. After that, he would manage a bank in the United States. After his time in Europe, he was ready to return home in Pennsylvania to begin his plan. Once on the Titanic, he met Minton Law over a cup of coffee. Little did they know, the next time they would meet again would be as they fought to save their lives. On April 14th, late into the night, after retiring to bed, Jack noticed the lack of breeze coming from his porthole. He then noticed the sounds of chaos outside his suite on the upper deck. He walked out to see what was going on. He then rushed to his parents' suite a couple doors down to inform them that the Titanic was sinking. His parents and him assessed the situation and made the decision to get warmer clothes and move towards safety. Jack and his father said goodbye to his mother once the announcement was made for women and children to board the lifeboats. They left her on the top grand staircase on the A-deck, thinking she would board a lifeboat. They continued to the starboard side only to learn she was still on board. They quickly rushed to find her. Once reunited, all three headed to find a lifeboat. During this rush, Jack was lost and met up with his new acquaintance, Milton Law. Milton and Jack went to find a lifeboat together. Being rejected because they were men, they quickly began to try to find another solution. At this point, the Titanic was sinking faster.
coming from Europe, and they were coming to America because they were in Europe for a vacation, so they wanted to head back to America. And like what they experienced when the ship hit the iceberg was like a lot of noise, shaking, so they went up to the deck and then they saw chunks of ice and then they were going to jump and eventually they jumped into the water when the boat was about 10 meters from the water and the only person who survived with him was his mother and sadly his father and his friend and their maid passed away. This is a three minute 48 second video um, called Floating Sandbox. Titanic sinks based on Jack Thayer's sketch drawing. Jack Thayer was not an artist. He was not an engineer. He was a banker, more like a politician. Um, and most likely a fraud. Became the vice president of Synchrony Bank. We'll see what this one says. focusing in on Jack Thayer, so uh, whatever I can find, I will show. Now there's a Jack Thayer Junior Season Highlights 2016, so he may be a descendant of Jack Thayer. Um, this one has Titanic, a Survivor's Story, Episode 3. Jack Thayer died in 1945. 
I don't know. I doubt it's his, it's Jack there, but we'll see what happens. He was probably suicided. On the 14th of April, 1912, the RMS Titanic sunk. Struck an iceberg in the north and it sunk. This is the story. By his grandson. Somebody's grandson. At about 2.15 a.m., the water had crept up almost to the captain's bridge. And it seemed a question only of minutes before she sank. The Titanic's light still shone brightly. And I found myself wondering if, if those in cabins now below the surface were also ablaze. As we sat gazing at the Titanic, she tilted slowly up, revolving apparently about a center of gravity just astern of midships, until she attained a vertically upright position. And there she remained motionless. He didn't say when. As she swung up, her lights went out suddenly came on again for a single flash, and then went out altogether. And as they did so, there came a noise, partly a groan, partly a rattle, partly a roar for some 15 to 20 seconds. I imagined it must have been the sound of, of heavy machinery breaking from fastenings and plunging down towards the sunken bows, smashing everything in its path. It was a noise I would never wish to hear again. It seemed to signify the end of everything. When the noise was over, the Titanic was still upright, and she remained so for perhaps five minutes. And then, first sinking back a little at the stern, I thought, she slid, slid slowly forward through the water and dived slantingly down. The sea closed over her, and we've seen the last of the beautiful ship we'd boarded four days before at Southampton. And in place of the Titanic, we had the level sea stretching in an unbroken expanse to the horizon, with no indication on the surface that the waves had just closed over the most wonderful vessel ever built by man's hand. The stars looked down just the same, and the air was just as bitterly cold. A great sense of loneliness descended on me with the realization that the Titanic was no longer there. We waited head on for the wave we'd heard so much of from the crew and which they said had been known to travel for miles. But it never came. But although the Titanic left us no such legacy of a wave as she went to the bottom, she left us something we would willingly forget forever. Something which it's, it's as well not to let the imagination dwell on. The cry of many hundreds of our fellow passengers struggling in the icy water. A cry that, that called to the heavens for the very injustice of its own existence. We, we were utterly surprised to hear this cry go up. We'd heard no sound of, of any kind and did not know then that the, that the, 
The whole ship's company had not been accommodated in lifeboats. So the cries of the drowning filled us with, with horror and stupefaction. We longed to return and, and rescue at least some of them. But we knew it was impossible. Our boat was filled to standing room, and to return would have meant the swapping of us all. And so the, the Captain Stoker told his crew to row away from the cries. We tried to sing, to keep all from thinking of them. But there was no heart for it. The cries, which were, were loud and numerous at first, died away gradually. And I think the last of them must have been heard some 40 minutes after the Titanic went down. In the absence of any plan of action, we rowed slowly forward, or, or at least in the general direction that the Titanic's bow had pointed. We felt in the darkness for a light to signal with, also for food and water. We found nothing. At about 3.30 a.m., someone in the bow called our attention to a faint, faraway gleam in the southeast. And then a distant boom sounded across the water. The stoker, who'd lain all night on the tiller, sat up suddenly, as if from a dream. That was a cannon. With every sense alert, we, we waited in absolute silence until, creeping over the edge of the sea, we saw a single light and presently a second one below. And in a few moments, they were well above the horizon and they remained in line. We didn't know what sort of vessel was coming, but we knew she was coming quickly and we searched for paper, rags, anything that would burn, our coats if necessary. A hasty paper torch was, was twisted out of a bundle of letters, lighted and held aloft by our captain. Our okay. faces um, you can go to this the surrounding our boat. This uh, video, um, I'm stopping at six minutes and three seconds. It's ten minutes and thirty six seconds long. It's uh, pretty dramatic. And this was not the survivor. He's saying what his father said. And uh, he's really putting quite a spin on it. So it's really hard to get to, to um, ascertain real facts. And this uh, audio has to be um, um, an hour. It can't be more than an hour. So um, <clears throat> I'm going to use some time. This is, it's already 27 minutes. Um, there is um, an article, which is quite- All right quite, guys, this oh, is the last person that we're going to read about from the Titanic. And this is Jack Thayer, and this is Jack Thayer's story. John B. Thayer, called Jack by his friends and family, was on board the Titanic with his mother and father sailing back home to the United States. The 17-year-old was one of the few people who went down with the ship and lived to tell about it. With his parents asleep in the adjoining cabin, Jack Thayer relaxed on his bunk. It was 11.45 p.m., and he was a first-class passenger aboard the spectacular Titanic. With his porthole ajar, Jack felt a breeze and detected a slight sway of the vessel. The ship's engines then shut down abruptly, and all was eerily quiet. Jack heard... Okay, <clears throat> that's 
there's a lot of detail missing out of this story already. And I don't know what she's reading from the source, but she is reading and it's showing on the video. Um, the title of the video is just Jack Thayer, but it's um, spelled as one word. So it can be that, so you can search it Jack Thayer um, that way. The other one, there's another one that's Jack Space Thayer. So um, this is Patriots STEM third something. Um, she has 35 subscribers. So this is like a bedtime story. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to um, perceive it at this point. And it lasts three minutes and 30 seconds. Footsteps pounding the passageway. He threw a coat over his pajamas and went to investigate the commotion. Jack dashed up to the A-deck on the port side, but didn't see anything unusual. So he maneuvered toward the bow. His eyes were still adjusting to the darkness. Jack swore he could see he could glimpse chunks of ice. He hurried to retrieve his mother and father from their compartment, and they returned to survey the starboard side of the A-deck. His father spotted ice, and they crossed to the port side, where they felt the entire ship tilt toward the ocean. They immediately sprinted. Okay. <clears throat> His father could not have spotted the ice. His father was not the one that was um, trained to watch for ice. The ice that the, the Titanic hit, if it even hit ice, was black ice and it was underneath the water. Um, that's where the bow was hit. That's where the bow hit. That's not, so they didn't see anything. And they heard an explosion. The explosion came from the boiler room because um, the Titanic was recalled for work. And when they did that work, they deliberately left out a bolt in the boiler room six, which would create combustion and blow up if they had to um, put coal in it fast, put a lot of coal in it fast. That's when it would cause it to blow up. That was a tactical thing that was done by an outside contractor. It was not the maker of the ship. So uh, people are just uh, being brain dead about it. You know, just trying to do this fashioned ideology kind of thing. But that is definitely what occurred. They had the... Um, engineers do that and I say they I mean Bruce Ismay and JP Morgan they were the top ones that had control over this nefarious plan um, so Bruce Ismay sold the Titanic to JP Morgan and JP Morgan was using it as an insurance write-off and he had 
So much money after that, he started the Federal Reserve. That's how, that's how the Federal Reserve got started. So I'm going to finish this. Hopefully I won't uh, interrupt it again, but um, because there's not much uh, time to waste. <laughs> I shouldn't say waste, but um, there's not much time on this um, recording. Otherwise, I won't be able to uh, put it on my Anchor account. So um, I'm going to let this finish. back to their stateroom to dress. Jack put on an extra more vest, along with his life preserver and overcoat. They arrived on deck just as instructions were issued for women and children to evacuate. Okay. Jack said goodbye to his mother, and he and Okay, now this says that Jack put on his vest. No other, other testimonies that they said were from Jack Thayer did not put on his vest, he gave his vest to somebody else. So he was like free standing in the water, supposedly. Frankly, I don't believe a word of it. And um, the Carpathia uh, probably picked up a certain number of people before the Titanic actually sank. A lot of people believe that based on circumstances. And, and based on testimonies, probably a lot of them are removed from YouTube now. I watched a lot of Titanic um, videos um, when I was recovering from uh, a badly torn hamstring. And I refused to take get surgery on it because I was treated like crap in the emergency room. I was bleeding internally, and the doctor said that I just had a contusion. That even though they did an ultrasound, she said, I can't find anything because there's too much blood. I said, there's too much blood because I obviously tore my hamstring. And, you know, the ER doctor just said, you're not a doctor. Don't, don't, don't you know, think that you know everything or whatever. He could have cared less and he gave me crutches for therapy to make me feel better. I couldn't even walk and it hurt to even use the crutches. And he wanted me to walk home at midnight when he, you know, so I'm just sharing this because the evil in our society is rampant and people who close their eyes to it are either on opiates or they're uh, having the hopium uh, syndrome which um uh, mike corbett or i mean james corbett had um spoken of hopium which is just as dangerous or even more dangerous because they've actually programmed their own minds to close off the facts of reality. And praise Jesus, you know? I mean, it's just pathetic. And it's actually disgrading what being 
about being a Christian is standing up. It's not sitting down. And I've seen too much of that. Too many sheeple. And if it was just one, it would be one too many. Because people are being murdered in this country. So um, I will just play the rest of it, which you may not even be able to hear because the voice is very weak. And, um, and then I will stop this and then post it on my Anchor account. Jackson's father proceeded through the crowds. They became separated. Jack located a friend, Milton, and the two considered their options. Hordes of passengers swamped the lifeboats, making them impossible to reach. They watched as men plunged into the ocean, but Milton resisted. He was not confident in his swimming abilities. The two young men stood on the rails of the ship. Jack encouraged Milton to jump, insisting he would go right after Milton. Jack saw Milton slide down the side of the ship into the water. He never saw Milton again. As the ship began to sink more rapidly, Jack jumped feet first into the icy water. The shock of the cold snatched his breath away. Around him, enormous pieces of the ship crashed into the water. The suction pulled him under, and he struggled to resurface. A wave pushed him further from the wreckage. He reached out and felt something, an overturned lifeboat. A hand extended and hauled him from the ocean. Jack Thayer would remain perched atop the lifeboat, cramped between dozens of men, freezing in the night air until a rescue ship arrived several hours later. Finally, aboard the rescue ship, Carpathia, Jack was reunited with his mother. His father did not survive. All right, friends, this is the last column that you're filling out on your comparison chart between the three accounts. Make sure you are only using the details to complete Jack Thayer's column. Don't complete anybody else's or add or change anything on the other two columns. I find it really sad that his father didn't survive or his friend. But here's what I'd like for you to do. Jack Thayer's story was a little different from Margaret Brown's and Lawrence Beasley's story. He had a friend that he could have helped out. I want you to brainstorm and think of one way that Jack Thayer could have helped his friend Milton survive. I can't wait to see what you come up with. All right, friends, until next time. Of course, she's presuming that... Um, the story is true and that's where the programming is um is infecting students by this kind of approach so and they have teachers uh share things that are political hot boxes so to speak Jack Thayer was the vice president of Synchrony Bank. Synchrony Bank is an, a very corrupted bank. And it took down G General Electric in many facets of General Electric. Because they became an infection in General Electric because General Electric purchased 80% of their stock to help them. And they got what they wanted and left GE and purchased all the accounts that um, they were mismanaging.
And that's the reason why GE didn't want them anymore. And they said, you can take the manager with you. She became the CEO. It doesn't mean that Synchrony Bank didn't exist before that, but they are lying their fat asses off about it. And they're saying that Synchrony Bank uh, existed only in 2014. So um, I know that personally because I, there is a case against me that's very nefarious. Every way, shape, and form. The Connecticut attorneys filed pro-hack vice. They are, um, they can't do that. It's illegal and the courts are in on it. So this opened a whole Pandora's box on me. And I'm not an attorney. And I'm, I'm just like, all I can do is share this and hope that people will um, uh, act on it uh, somehow. And I'm not asking for help. I'm asking help for me. I'm asking for help for this country because this country is going down fast. Like the Titanic. They're trying to do everything they can to um, uh, bankrupt the country so that they can uh, issue martial law. They're using their satanic computer. This is already 42 minutes long, so I'm just going to say a few more things. They're using their satanic computer to tell them what to do next, obviously. Because they're playing with words, they're playing with numbers, as a mind control kind of thing. And it's not just mind controlling us, it's mind controlling them to make them feel less guilty about mass murdering and many other um, nefarious things, racketeering, extorting, um, embezzling. They're doing all this, and they're protecting each other by having this devil's chessboard set up so that people in certain positions will cover for them. And that definitely includes the U.S. Supreme Court. Benjamin Cardozo, look him up. Only bear in mind the information could be false on internet, but I have a book on biographies. He did not even have a law degree, yet he was given um, a, a license to pr not only practice law, but he was put in a position as assistant clerk to the chief justice. And that's, if you understand what a clerk does in courts, you know, clerk is used in a very vague way, and it's probably so that they can remold their little snowball into various shapes and forms and whatever it's handy, like silly putty. So, um, but he, a, a, a assistant clerk has to be a Juris Doctorate. But 
who was who was um the secretary of department of education betsy devoe she didn't she only had a bachelor degree she didn't even have a master's degree and she she didn't she didn't have any certification to teach you have to have a master's degree to have that or at least be working on the master's degree before you start teaching she had nothing she's just a Betsy Wetsy. She just she just slept her way through uh, the Amway family so that she could become a billionaire. And her brother owns Blackwater, which changed the name to Academy. You see how they change things? Academy and she's the secretary of the Department of Education. It's just so messed up and they're so sociopathic about it so um keep those things into consideration and i've got to end this so that i can um, put this on my um anchor account it's um 45 minutes and 30 seconds so um thank you
Okay, so I finished with this and I need to stop this recording because it's almost 60 minutes long anyways and I'll have to hopefully cut off the back last part of it. I apologize, I was doing something else on the other side of my apartment, my small apartment. I'll admit I should have noticed that the recording stopped, but I didn't. Um, so that's it. Thank you.